This is the Sex and Psychology Podcast, and it's the sex ed you never got in school and won't get anywhere else. I am your host, Dr. Justin Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. This week on the show, I have a special treat for you. I'm going to be speaking with the co-hosts of the Shameless Sex Podcast, which is one of the most listened to sexuality podcasts in the world. They have just released a book that captures all of the wisdom they've accumulated on their podcast over the years, and we're going to do a deep dive into it. For today's show, some of the things we're going to talk about include what it means to have shameless sex, as well as some of the most common sex questions people have, including, am I normal? And am I broken? We're also going to explore some fantastic tips for improving sexual communication. In the next episode, we're going to explore tips on how to have hotter sex. I am joined today by both Amy Baldwin and April Lampert. Amy is a sex and relationship coach, certified sex educator, as well as co-owner of a mother-daughter-owned online pleasure boutique. April is vice president and co-owner of Hot Octopus, an innovative pleasure product company. Together, Amy and April combined forces to create the Shameless Sex Podcast, inspiring radical self-love, sexual empowerment, and shame-free intimacy. Their new book is titled Shameless Sex, Choose Your Own Pleasure Path to Unlock the Sex Life You've Been Waiting For. This is going to be an amazing conversation. We're going to dive in momentarily, but first, I have a short segment for you on some fascinating new data that was just shared with me. You may have heard me speaking about Field, spelled F-E-E-L-D, in the past, which is a dating app for the curious. Well, something really fascinating has been happening amongst Field members. A phenomenon of radical transformation among users of the app has become so common that there's now a term for it, the Field Effect. And the stats speak for themselves. Field has shared some fascinating data with us here at the Sex and Psychology Podcast, and one of the key findings is that 181,000 people actually changed their sexuality within the first year of using Field. While a lot of people tend to think about sexuality as a static or stable trait, the reality is that it's actually quite dynamic and fluid, and it's normal for people to experience shifts in their attractions, fantasies, behaviors, and even their identities over time. This is something I've seen in my own research on human sexuality, And it's also reflected in a lot of the questions that I've received from listeners and readers over the years. Who you thought you were sexually attracted to at one point in time can evolve considerably. Perhaps the single most common transformation I've seen is among people who previously identified as exclusively heterosexual or straight. Many of them have since shifted toward bisexual, pansexual, or heteroflexible identities. How does this happen? Well, it's often the result of meeting or speaking with someone new, someone you might not have expected to be attracted to. Other times, it's the result of discovering a new sexuality label that you didn't know about before that just feels like a better fit for you. And yet other times, it might be about finding yourself in a spontaneous sexual experience, such as having a threesome, that opens the door to exploring a fantasy or attraction that you've never had the chance to experience before. It makes sense to me that on an app-like field, you'd see a lot of sexual fluidity in action. For one thing, the app offers more than 20 different ways to describe your sexuality, which means you might learn about new identities that simply pique your curiosity. And odds are you might end up chatting with someone who has a different sexual identity than you do, 
given that half of field members identify as something other than heterosexual. In fact, more than half of straight people on this app have chatted with someone who has a different sexuality, which can open the door for new attractions to emerge. Plus, simply being in a shame-free environment where people have the ability to be their true, authentic selves, like the one that Field strives to offer, just creates a natural opportunity to explore your sexuality or to try on a new label without feeling judged. I think that's really key in all of this. Not having to worry about what other people think or feeling like you have to explain yourself. Everybody else just gets it. If you're not entirely sure about your sexuality, if you've ever questioned, wondered, or fantasized about trying something different, Field is the place where you can freely explore your desires. It's a place where you don't have to have everything already figured out, and you can just be open to finding out. And in the process, you might find out who you really are as a sexual person. Have you ever experienced your sexuality as fluid? Have you ever had a fantasy that made you question your sexuality? I'd like to hear about it. Send in your questions. You can use the contact form on my website at sexandpsychology.com, or you can use my podcast voicemail at speakpipe.com slash sexandpsychology. All right, now it's time to talk shameless sex. We're going to get into my conversation with April and Amy right after this short break. The Handy is a Scandinavian pleasure device like no other. It's an adult toy for anyone with a penis that enables new sexual experiences through interactive technology. The Handy can be synced with online content from multiple adult websites to offer immersive experiences, meaning that what you see is what you feel. It also has a remote control function so that you can enjoy partner play together or long distance. In fact, your partner can control your Handy from anywhere in the world. The easy-to-use controls allow for a custom experience, Plus, there's a hands-free mounting accessory and a variety of sleeves to choose from for targeted sensation. To learn more, visit thehandy.com or check the show notes for the link and get 10% off your purchase with discount code SEXANDPSYCH. Take your pleasure to the next level with The Handy. Are you ready to take your career to the next level and become a certified sexuality professional? The Sexual Health Alliance's certification programs are here to empower you. From sex therapists and sex educators to sex coaches and couples therapists, Shaw's comprehensive and flexible programs streamline your path to certification. Learn from leading experts in the field and complete all of your necessary certification requirements in a self-paced, flexible online format. Most importantly, you'll gain the knowledge, skills, and credentials you need to excel in your field while connecting with an engaged community of professionals from around the world. Take your next step at Sexual Health Alliance. Visit sexualhealthalliance.com or check the show notes for the link. The Kinsey Institute at Indiana University would like to congratulate Kinsey Institute senior scientist, Dr. Zoe Peterson, for her selection as a fellow of the society by the Society for the Scientific Study of Sexuality. Learn more about Dr. Peterson's research on sexual assault and consent over at kinseyinstitute.org. You can also keep up with the latest Kinsey Institute happenings by following them on the socials at Kinsey Institute. Hi, Amy and April, and welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. Thank you for hosting us, Dr. Leigh Miller, also known as Justin. We talked about this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're huge fans of, of you. We've only been on the reverse end of this when we interviewed you back in 2019, which we established. Great episode. So thanks for having us on your show. 
It's a pleasure to have you here, and it's nice to come full circle having been a guest on your show, and now you're here. So as a starting point, let me first ask for the story behind your podcast, which I know launched back in 2017. So y'all have been at this for quite a while. I'm curious about the story behind your podcast, which has become one of the most listened to sexuality podcasts in the world. So where did that journey begin? Uh, So April and I've known each other since 2006, and I won't give you that long story about us meeting, working at a restaurant, and April telling a story about her getting spanked and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I love you instantly. You all can imagine how that goes. I knew that she was my, my person, my people. And we both entered into the human sexuality field in 2008 when I opened up a sex positive adult store in Santa Cruz with my mom, mother, daughter owns dildo shop, everyone, which is now just online. It was a brick and mortar for 12 years called Pure Pleasure. And April was the first person that we hired and the only friend I've ever hired, actually, because, you know, hiring friends is a thing. She helped to run the store for a year and then she took off in the human sexuality world, specifically in the sex toy world. I started working for Uber Lube, a lubricant company, and April and I traveled a lot together. We're talking about lube and sex toys all over. And um, we kind of always knew, we knew we would create something beyond what we were already doing that would be ours, right? Just April and Amy's creation. We had no idea what it would be. Fast forward to early 2017, after many years working in the sex toy industry, for me working as a sex educator and as a sex and relationship coach, we got invited to guest on Sex with Emily, uh, which is the number one sexuality podcast, probably globally. And um, we guested on her show, I think it was January of 2017, without any idea of starting a podcast, but we loved it so much. And then Emily loved our energy as well. Uh, and we left there saying we should start a podcast for fun. It was just for fun. It wasn't going to be, we didn't anticipate it being what it is today. And so then we moved forward with that creation, our, our passion project. And I don't think we knew that that's what we had been talking about for so long ago. Like, oh, we're going to create something together, this offering. And then it just happened and came into fruition. And we've never looked back. It's been one of our favorite things that we've been doing in the human sexuality field for quite some time. I want to add too, because it's been such, it's like such a gift to be working with one of your best friends, but I loved podcasts because I used to commute before podcasts blew up and now there's millions. And it still is though, one of the, like the last forms of like free speech media where you can talk to people freely. You're not having to worry about radio networks and their, all of their red tape. So it's been a gift just to like both of those things, like talk freely about sex and relationships with experts from all over. So I just, I love the podcast world and doing it with Amy has been amazing. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing that story. So Shameless Sex is not just the name of your show. It's also the name of your new book. And it's also an entire approach and philosophy for having sex. So can you tell us a little bit about what it means in your view to have shameless sex? Ooh, well, I think... First of all, the book, since we uh, trademarked Shameless Sex, which yes, it could be trademarked, it is. We were like, it makes the most sense to call it Shameless Sex, right? Because it's about shame is something that I think most people 
have, sometimes very knowingly and sometimes unknowingly, somewhere deep inside of them that can come up during different sexual experiences. We originally were like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna eradicate shame and help people have total shame-free intimacy. But we realized that some of those pieces, it's working with the shame, and some of those pieces you don't need to completely eradicate from your life because we think that humans are beautiful the way they are and they're not broken, um, even if they do have shame and trauma. And so we do say, welcome to the shameless sex revolution. Let's have open conversations about sex and let's openly talk about things that come up that you could have shame around, whether it's the way your body looks or something that happened in sexual experience. Um, and how can we work with that to find the sex life that you really want and the pleasure that you really deserve and possibly expand yourself to figure out what your desires are, but within your comfort zone or sometimes like uncomfortable, but not your hard no zone. Yeah. And with April said they're eradicating the shame piece. We said that we were like, yeah, we're eradicating shame. It felt so badass and powerful. But instead we were like, well, yeah, but also shame is a teacher. And we don't want to teach people that shame in itself is bad and wrong. It's like double shaming someone. <laughs> like shame on you for having shame. So instead it's like, okay, shame is a, is a part of being a human, especially when it comes to sexuality. And how can we use that as a teacher to learn more about ourselves? To I'm doing heal in air quotes because I personally think that healing is is a journey and could be a lifelong journey and um, I'm not a huge fan of like the the idea that once we're healed we're like now we're, we're perfect and we're all good um, sometimes for at least for myself when I work on something I'll speak to sexual shame when I work on something in myself I'm good for like a year and then a year later I'm like there it is again but because I've been doing work around it and I'm looking at it as a teacher now it's an opportunity for okay what tools worked before to work through this hard experience of trauma or shame what can I apply now? And it's generally easier because I put in that time. So yeah, I think that that's it. Like we can't make our title like how to have like less shame, shameless sex or something. I don't know. It was the simplified version is shameless sex. And we still know that shame is a part of it. And yeah, I think there's always an opportunity to, and that's not a fun opportunity, right? It's not like, yay, this is so fun, but more of like, what can I do with this? Because this feels like really heavy armor prohibiting me from tapping into my ultimate sexual self with other people or just with my within myself. Yeah. So how to have less shame with sex. Yeah. Less shameless sex. <laughs> I want to add one piece to the shameless sex puzzle that is us because we had we have our book and we have our podcast and we just had our first shameless sex retreat that was women only vulva owners. And it was so interesting because going in, we didn't know what to expect, but coming out of it, because it was a place of shame-free conversations, which is something that we do, but a lot of folks from all over, this was particularly the United States, had never been in a zone where they could feel this other level of safety to just talk about it, not just listen, but talk about it. And that gave me this extra fire to feel so good about the shamelessness that is shameless sex and hearing all of these women's feedback and their husbands and partners' feedback too that we've gotten is like, and because this is fresh, I mean, I'm still in Costa Rica, but we're just coming off of this. And it's like this shameless sex high that I'm like, yes, it's working. You know, like people are feeling that they're feeling like safe. I just wanted to add because I'm really happy about what we've created. Yeah, I love that. Now, before we dive into some specific chapters in your new book, let me first ask, who is this book for? And what can readers hope to get out of it aside from having sex with a little less shame? 
I think we decided that this book is for everyone. And, you know, while we probably have to say that it, you, it's for you have to be 18 to listen or to read it or listen to it because it will be on Audible. We read it ourselves. I wish I had it when I was 14, 16, uh, 18, 28, 38, which I am now. And I will probably want it when I'm 48, 58, 68, even though I wrote it with April. So it's really geared towards all people of all genders, orientations, relationship styles. Um, if you're single, you're partnered, whatever it is you're into, it's designed for you to be a compass or a map or a guide for you to navigate your sexual journey, your uh, challenges, and also like trials, tribulations, all the things, you know, not just sexual, relational as well, to be there when you need it. I think it really is designed to be for everyone. Uh, if you're 16 and listening to this, I'm supposed to tell you that you have to be 18, but I don't know. You do you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, Amy. And yeah, I just wanted to say it's kind of f fun too, because it's not a clinical. Sometimes, you know, books about sex can be really clinical and you have lots, you know, lots of experience with, with books and being an author. Sometimes the clinical part can be a little difficult for people where they feel like they have to go down a certain road. And this book feels more playful and fun because you can choose your own direction that you want to go at different segments in your journey of that is sex and relationships. And I think the fun part is something we obviously don't like make a joke out of anything that uh, unless it's warranted in a specific section, uh, but it is not so heavy. Sometimes sex books, books about sex can be heavy where I'm like, oh my God, this is hard. So uh, I just wanted to add that piece. So that makes it fun for everybody and those of you who are scared about talking about sex or reading about sex. You know, when I was a kid, I used to love those choose your own adventure books. <laughs> and mm -hmm. when I think back on it, I think it was because it felt very empowering, you know, because when you're a kid, you don't have a lot of say or control over where your life is going. But having that control over the narrative and where you wanted the story to go was this pretty unique thing. And your book is kind of like a choose your own adventure book for adults and their sex lives, which you call choosing your pleasure path. So anything else you would want to say about that aspect of the book? and what makes it unique. It's about chapter eight is when you find the abominable snowman and yeah. you learn how to tie them up. Uh, no, it's not at all. But we wanted to do something like this. We, Amy and I talked about this choose your own adventure because it's like a map, right? Sex and pleasure is like a journey for a lot of people. And we've said journey and compass and map and guide and all of these pieces. So we were like, what, what kind of books are like that aside from choose your own adventure book. Well, you can't say choose your own adventure because that's already, that's already taken uh, from the 80s and 90s books that, that were so popular and that I loved. So the pleasure path is flipping to that outcome that you, that you want. And if you don't get the outcome that you desire after choosing that path, you can go back and then find another that is better suiting for the environment or situation. Yeah, the premise for the book is very much in alignment with Shameless Sex, with what April and I speak to and the educators that we bring on to our podcast, including you, Dr. Justin Lay Miller, um, where we're not telling you, here's the one way to be you as a sexual being, because that's not shameless sex. I, that would create a lot of shame if you don't feel like you fit into that model. So instead of uh, saying, okay, here's your 
your sexual relational issue, here's exactly what you should do. It's, well, what's the outcome that you want? Where do you want to go? And, uh, and here's the many options of where you can go. And then you can flip to that page or read on. You're designing it for yourself as a unique sexual being. And, you know, it's not just April and I bringing a whole bunch of perspectives. Again, it's a lot of other wonderful educators, authors, doctors that are contributing in this book. So yeah, I think that was really important to us to create something that was empowering people to not necessarily be their own therapist, but their own guide of some sort. And we often say, seek therapy if you want to. <laughs> like if you, if you need more support, therapy, 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 have someone help you with this. But we're still giving people the tools to somehow empower themselves. But you know, maybe they don't need to take that next step to go have other support. Maybe they can navigate it on their own and, and maybe they do. But yeah, we really want to create that sense of strength in inner knowing and intuition of what, um, what your unique outcome or desire is. And it is very true that self-help can be very effective in resolving a lot of sexual problems and difficulties. And in fact, most people don't have the need for intensive therapy. That's not to say that sex therapy is never warranted. It often is, and it can be great, fantastic. And I've interviewed so many wonderful sex therapists on this show, but so much of the sexual problems that people have just stem from a lack of sex education and this concern about, am I normal? And just by giving people the information the sex ed that they never got before, oftentimes that can resolve the problems without you needing to take the next step of going into therapy. And speaking of all of that, your book is organized around the most common sex questions that you've received over the years. And it starts with what I've said many times before is the most common question I've received, which is, am I normal? And that can take a lot of different forms from, is my body normal? To, are my fantasies normal? To, are my behaviors normal? So whenever you get one of those, am I normal questions, what's your starting point or response to that? Yes, you are. <laughs> you are normal. Yes, you you are normal. It's so interesting that when we looked at all the sex questions, we get thousands. It's so interesting that we really did find these eight categories and that each of them have nuances of. And it does start with, am I normal? I, or I, I'm learning about this. Why can't I do this? Is this, am I not normal? Is this, is this, or your body's changing? Is this normal? I used to be able to have really long sex sessions and now my penis isn't cooperating and I, I come too fast and I'm saying two for them. They think that they came too fast or all of these things you question, you're like, what's happening with my body? Am I doing something wrong? Um, and that's why I think that, am I normal? I ask myself that sometimes in sex still. I'm like, is this normal? Is it, is this supposed to happen? It's like, yes, it's okay. Everything's shifting. You have to, to find what you can work with and learning about your body is the first step. So yes, you are normal. Yeah, I think what's interesting about the am I normal is people will think they're asking a question about something that is not even related to am I normal. You know, that it's like, oh, I'm just asking about how to have better orgasms. But deep down, it's like, but am, is this normal? Like, do other is this common? Do other people have this issue? And so we found that that was, you know, while we get plenty of sex questions about how to have the hottest sex ever or, you know, how to have threesomes and all kinds of fun stuff, there is just this underlying I mean, I don't know if it's just like within, uh, you know, American culture, I believe it's like pretty global of, and maybe you could say, cause you're a researcher over there, Justin, that to this question of, is this really common? And what was interesting for us is because our second chapter is, am I broken? We were like, okay, what's the difference between the, am I normal and am I, am I broken? Because they can sound very similar. And so I personally think of, am I normal is 
that is this common? Do other people have this experience? And am I broken? Is, is there something wrong with me? You know, is there something intrinsically wrong with me or uniquely wrong with me? And so they answer different questions that are both very common and often undercover themes in a lot of the questions that come our way. Yeah. And my follow-up question was going to be about that issue of people asking, am I broken? You know, a lot of people see themselves as being damaged goods, perhaps because they've experienced some type of sexual trauma, or they just grew up with a lot of shame around sex, or maybe because they developed a health condition or started taking a medication that's interfering with their arousal or pleasure. And again, just like with Am I Normal, these are all very different things. But tell us a little bit more about, you know, where do you begin when someone's wondering, am I broken? I think with Am I Broken, we're also normalizing that. Like, again, you're, you are normal. And, and April often says, like, you're not the first thing. You're not broken. You're not broken. No one is broken. And even if, if you have sexual trauma or, or something that's been a challenge in your entire, like, all of your life, you're still not broken. I don't know who decided what this idea of broken is, but it's very much like right and wrong. This is what a, a whole healthy human is. And this is what a not so whole and healthy human is. And yeah, the am I broken piece can come in so many different facets of sexuality. I think that uh, we talk about, so it, I just want to say this too. We started the book with the kind of heavies, right? We're talking about am I normal, am I broken? It does get to the sunshine and rainbows. It can feel a little bit, that's what the publisher said yeah. too. They're like, did you have to go so deep into this first? We're like, you can't just yeah. see a rainbow without a little storm and rain sometimes, right? <laughs> so you have to work from the past to the present to get to the future. Or, yeah, to the insecurities, to the pain, to the trauma. And some people, yes, they can just, I'm having an issue with orgasm and they can have some tools on how to boost that and they're fine. For a lot of people, though, there's other reasons why that is a block for them or a challenge for them. And it has to do with the past, with trauma and shame and understanding that, yes, I am uh, normal. Yes, I am not broken. And so we talk about various aspects of this, including experiencing sex after trauma, living with STIs, STIs. CDs, being on medication and how that affects sexual pleasure, also wanting to continue to experience sexual pleasure, but the body is not exactly responding accordingly to the way you want to. These are all very common themes for Am I Broken? So the way we wrote the book too is we have these, these sex questions that are very common from actual listeners. And even if you don't fully resonate with it, right? Like there's like one piece of the sex question that we're talking about. Maybe we're talking about medications. Like, well, my issue isn't an SSRI, but there's some other medication I'm on that seems like it's affecting my sexuality. That chapter or that part of the chapter will probably still resonate with you. And it is designed for you to see and read other stories, other people's perspectives, and also the educators, doctors, therapists, et cetera, that are, are in the book that are letting you know there's nothing broken about you. There's nothing abnormal about you. And, or what does April say? Normal's, what, normal's the new normal. Or what are, you had something in there that I think was like... I may be a little bit different, but at least I'm not the same. Yes. That's, I've said that since I've been little. Yeah. Because I've always been a little bit probably outside of the norm of people, which norm, normal to me is a statistic, right? So there's always outliers. As a researcher, you, you very well know that, Justin. And I love the fact that there's uniqueness in all of us because... I think if you are just part of that, like the, what everybody is expecting, I feel like sometimes the, the novelty of learning about your partner or yourself and like, wow, this is so new. That can be fun and spicy and sexy. And at least I'm not the same. Like maybe I don't orgasm like your last partner did. Maybe I need other things, but that can be fun. I know I'm not broken. I know this might not be normal, um, but I had thought that I was broken because of an STI status. I thought that for a very long time um, and wore that like a deep 
veil of shame. And I didn't know. I was like, oh no, I, I don't. Of course, I knew I had shame, but I didn't ever want to talk about it. I really wasn't understanding that it is so normal and it doesn't mean that anything is wrong with me. It just means I have to pay more attention to certain times so I can keep partners safe from getting an STI. Yeah. Yeah. And another way to think of it is that normal is something that is going to evolve with you over time. You know, we're always going to have a new normal and that's normal. You know, there's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. We just need to learn to adapt to it. And, you know, sort of sticking with what you were saying, Amy, about how the book is kind of broken up into starting with the heavier stuff <laughs> gets mm -hmm. to the lighter stuff later. That's how I've organized our conversation. So sticking with the heavier thing <laughs> related to that am I broken question is the are we broken question. And it's common for people in relationships to have the experience of in the beginning, everything just works out easily. But at some point down the road, their sex life takes a negative turn. Maybe one partner doesn't want as much sex as the other one. Maybe they're just not in sync anymore when they have sex. Maybe they just want totally different things in the bedroom these days. Again, these are all different things, but what's your advice to couples who might be asking themselves this question of, are we broken? Well, with what you just said, that like, okay, later on down the road in an often long-term relationship, sometimes in a newer relationship, you'll see these, what feels like a mismatch and someone wants more or less of something. And you probably agree with this, Justin. Like, If anyone is going to be with another person for a long period of time, you will hit this. At some point, this will come up into in your relationship. And it might not necessarily just be about libido, desire. It might be interests. It might even be, like, aside from sex, it might be about spending time together that's not even sexual and just intimacy or the way you communicate. We're two plus different brains, depending on how many people you're being intimate with, equals different ideas and needs and they change all the time. So my advice would be number one is to actually go into relationships or if you're in one, knowing that that's just, that's normal, right? That is a part of relating outside of yourself. I mean, sometimes I have conflicting ideas within myself. So if that's happening within my brain, I'm like, oh, one side of Amy, another side of Amy, we're not really getting along in my head. Imagine that being with someone else. The number one tool that comes up. Here's another thing. When people ask us sex questions, you know, and it might seem like it's not about, am I normal? Am I broken? They're also asking for, you know, certain advice. And it almost always comes down to communication, which is like everyone listening, like, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 communication. But our book spends a lot of time talking about that, especially when it comes to the couples or partnered stuff. It's, you know, have you talked about it? And if you did, how did you talk about it? How did you share this with your partner? Did you bring it up again? Did you convey the importance of this? Did you do that in a loving way where you didn't feel like you were necessarily, you know, attacking someone or pointing fingers that it's all their fault or their problem um, or we're broken instead? We, so we talk a lot about that. So I think those would be my two things. One is, is going into relationships or existing in, in relationships with others, knowing that, there will be mismatches in all kinds of aspects of being in relationship and to honing in on your communication skills. And if you don't feel like you have them right now to start working on them will be the gold in navigating all these aspects of, of being with other people. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I feel like you're kind of reading my mind because my next question was going to be about <laughs> sexual communication, right? <laughs> because one of the most common pieces of sex advice that gets thrown out there by sex educators and therapists is to communicate more about sex. And that's obviously great and important advice, but oftentimes it never goes any deeper than that, which can leave people recognizing that, hey, I need to communicate more or better 
but I have no clue about how to do that. So do you have any top tips or favorite tips you can share when it comes to communicating about sex in a healthy way? So we did come up with this really unique formula and Amy has the book there. I uh, don't have the book with me, but it's called the Connect Formula, which we can just give you the the premise. But we worked really hard to develop something, especially when it comes to difficult conversations. And then there's these things called small asks and big asks. Those are kind of within the communication pieces. And the Connect Formula is you could use it in friendships too. You could use it if there if you want to have a difficult conversation in general. Um, and maybe Amy can go a little deeper to that. But then the small asks and big asks, you can use the Connect Formula when there's a big ask coming, meaning something that is, I'm going to give you a a big example. Like you are thinking about non-monogamy and you've been in a monogamous relationship with your partner and it's really something that you want to explore. Now that could be a big ask to some. It might be a not big ask. It might be a small ask to others. However, the small ask could be like, I really want to get a sex toy. And there's information and a lot of research that we did on our own and uh, expert advice in there about how to really do it in a way that is not only loving, but in a way that is going to use a lot of nonviolent communication techniques as well and stuff that you can fold that page and highlight that section and come back to again and again. Yeah. So the formulas that we created there, they're just essentially things that work really well for us, but that uh, taking into account a lot of other formulas or, or ways of communicating that we've learned, like April said, nonviolent communication. But yeah, I remember learning nonviolent communication. So I appreciate it. It felt a little rigid, like a little clinical in the way that you navigate it. I still think it's valuable. So I'm not saying that you should or should not utilize it. But I think, again, we're all very different in the type of communication that works for us. So I think that what we created is more, again, like what works for you and your partner. And it might be different for with a future partner. So yeah, the small ask, like April said, is, is going to be a lighter thing. And it's different for everyone, like April said as well. A big ask is like, okay, this might lead to some defensiveness or someone being triggered or like killing the vibe or the mood or something. So it maybe needs a little more intention. And then like April said, the connect formula. So like April said, it's an acronym and it's an order of operations of how to maybe carry out this conversation in the the smoothest and maybe most gentle way. Now it's, there's no guarantees, right? People can still get highly triggered from you speaking the most lovingly and nonviolently. You never really know, but there's ways to go about it that might uh, prohibit extreme triggering or make it a little bit lighter than what it was before. So step one is consider consideration. And this is very much about considering the environment. You know, where is everyone at before I even bring up, here's a heavy thing I'd like to talk to you about. I wouldn't necessarily say it that way either. Not that here's a heavy thing I would like to talk to you about, (laughs) but you're being considerate about where am I at? Where's my my partner at? Really taking into account the overall level, the energy level of where everyone's at. And then the next one is the O is outside, having discussion outside of the bedroom, not in that we're all naked and we're mid sexy time or you just had an orgasm. Now I want to tell you that I want to open our relationship up and have sex with other people. Probably isn't the most ideal time for that. And that's also being considerate, but it's really taking into account the importance of it not being in a already heated or charged time. And then the next one is negotiation. Negotiation is always a part of relationships. I think of it as like a dance, right? So it's not just like, I want this, so you have to do it. Or I want this, and if you don't do it, then I'm disappointed. And yeah, well, maybe you'll be disappointed, but now like there's something wrong. Instead, it's, you know, here's what I'm, uh, what's not working for me, or here's what's working for me, or what i like more of. And what about you? And that will actually go into the next thing. But the, the negotiation piece 
um, which we also threw permission in there into negotiation. So it isn't just, okay, I, I did the consideration. It looks like April's a good spirits. I'm in good spirits too. Okay, outside, we're not in the bedroom. And now I'm just going to go up to April and be like, we're talking about this. Instead, it's, hey, there's something really big for me or important that I've been thinking about. And I would really, I really would love to talk to you about this. Is now a good time? If not, when would be a good time? Maybe we can, you know, if it's tomorrow, then maybe we can check in tomorrow. And that in itself is a negotiation because your partner could be like, well, yeah, now's not a good time. Let's check in tomorrow. I'm no guarantees that'll be a good time. Let's see when that can actually happen. And then we go into uh, what we call nicely to the nitty gritty. We were making an acronym, everyone. So the N was a little hard. <laughs> so this, we really recommend getting clear before you go into this conversation. That's the nitty gritty, nice to the nitty gritty. Like maybe journaling before. Like a little, I do a little script, like, yeah. because I get really in my head. If there's heavy conversations with my partner, I'll have a little script of like the bullet points, not that I go in with or a laser point or PowerPoint, or but could, I think that makes could. it, you totally <laughs> could, but I'm like, Hey, I just want to make sure that I cover things. And also, um, that I'm having this heavy conversation. So if you're like me, or I know there's a lot of folks out there that sometimes can get in their head. And if your partner gets triggered by something, then you could shut down. So it's important to, I think, have some preparation going in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the preparation piece. And then as you're sharing with your person, starting with the positives can be really helpful. Not bullshit positives, by the way, authentic positives, not like, I love all the sex we're having if you don't really feel that way. But I, we can usually find something positive or I love you. I really care about you. And here's something that's really important to me. I'm a huge fan of conveying how important it is. I think what happens with a lot of sexual communication regarding making a big ask or even a small ask is here's something that I like, but they, it's not really landing on your partner, how important it is. So often April and I are guiding people like, okay, you already had this conversation. Did you tell them that it's really important to you? Like this is, it's like soul shaking important. It really speaks to, to who you are as a sexual being. And if you don't have some form of this, you will be really unhappy and unfulfilled and that might affect the relationship. So how can we work together? Um, and then I have just three more, everyone. I'll stop talking. Um, <laughs> the next one, the E, exposure. This is being willing to expose yourself, to be vulnerable, to really share your heart and soul and your feelings with honesty, with clarity, and while being considerate of your partner's experience too, and inviting them to be vulnerable. You're not shaming them for being vulnerable too. And so this is a really important piece here because I think a lot of people can be a little superficial about and not insulting them as superficial, but kind of speaking to like the surface level pieces as opposed to their heart. What does your heart say? What does your heart yearn for? What does your gut yearn for? What is your pussy or your cock or your bits or whatever your name is? What are they really yearning for? And just knowing that it's a scary conversation. So you might need to press pause while you're saying this. Like, ah, really vulnerable. I'm going to take a couple breaths. And it's, it's a little risky because you might feel like you might lose some love or be shut down. And so, the, again, this formula is designed to hopefully decrease the likelihood of that happening. No promises. But it's, I mean, it's an important risk to take. And I already said this one before, but the next one, the C, the, another C, curiosity. When you were sharing about here's what I want, need, or desire, it's really important to be not only curious about what your partner wants, needs, and desires, because you might think that you have the, you know, the need, desire, or issue. They might have a whole laundry list of them too. And make you're making it about like a, a more of like a we conversation as opposed to, well, here's me. And not, not just being curious about what it is that they want, need, or desire that differs from yours, 
But also like the whys, you know, the why of what they want, need or desire. Or if they're a no to what you're speaking to, not like, well, tell me why, but more like, I'm just, I'm really curious as to why, why that is a no for you. I, I hear that. And I'm just, can you explain a little more to that to me? Because I'd really like to understand you better. And also actively listening to the responses and not checking your phone or tuning out. If you're getting curious, like communications, not only just about speaking, but it's also about listening and actively listening, Mm -hmm. not um, turning on a Netflix movie or distracting yourself while your partner's speaking. So I think that's also a part of that when you're getting curious and asking the questions, actually listening to the questions and taking them in. Yeah. And the last one, guess what it is? It's a T, everyone. What does T stand for? Therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Like you said, Justin, not everyone needs therapy. But if you're feeling like you're having these conversations that are not going anywhere, you're in a loop, you're not getting any resolution over and over again, you're you're remaining disconnected for a long period of time. This is when you may want to consider seeking outside support. So from a therapist or coach, there's all kinds of modalities out there. And this is still a conversation to have with a partner. They're not like, "We're, we're getting therapy or we need therapy more so I'm noticing that we are spiraling we're not getting anywhere this is important to me and you're important to me and I'd really like to seek some outside support but I want to do it in a way that works for both of us you know can we both look for someone that together that works for both of us because maybe we're good but I want to be great or maybe we're okay and I want to be really good uh, as opposed to like we're broken so we need to do this because it's a huge problem and April's talked about this before and I think in your bringing or being around a lot of people who said think therapy means you're broken. Like it's, you know, only really broken people need therapy or support. Not true. And that's why I will and suggest if anybody um, is partnered with someone that could think therapy means that they're broken or something's wrong with them in their relationship, you could frame it to them. Like this is giving us more tools in the tool belt to work with. Even, you know, furthering the the connect formula to connect 2.0 or working on how to pause when things get heated and framing that to me is helpful probably because of my conditioning. And, and I don't think anyone's broken for getting therapy. However, I know talking to my mom about therapy, when I've talked to her, I'm like, oh, I'm on my way to therapy. And she's like, well, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is exactly Shame. why I need therapy. Yeah. <laughs> this is why there I wrote a whole book about this. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I love all of that. And thank you for that very detailed guide in terms of how to communicate better with your partner about sexuality-related issues. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you in the next episode about how to have hotter sex. So thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Amy and April. It was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work and get a copy of your new book? Our book, Shameless Sex, it is actually available November 14th, and uh, that's 2023, and everywhere books are sold, but shamelesssex.com is where you can find all things Shameless Sex and any social media channels where everywhere it's just at Shameless Sex Podcast, and we are doing some events and, and book tour a little bit, so towards the end of 2023, and then in January and onwards of 2024, um, you can find us, so we might be coming to a city that is near you, so if you're listening, check at shamelesssex.com because all of that will be there. And we're really grateful to be on your show, Justin, and talking to all of your listeners. So thank you for having us. And yeah, that was a fun conversation about shameless sex, all of it. So much fun. And I'll be sure to include links to everything you mentioned in the show notes. Thank you for listening. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, Sex and Psychology, at sexandpsychology.com, or subscribe on your favorite platform, where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. 
You can also follow me on the socials for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter and TikTok at Justin Lee Miller and Instagram at Justin J. Lee Miller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want. And if you have a question you'd like me to answer on a future episode of this show, you can leave me a podcast voicemail at speakpipe.com slash sex and psychology. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. <laughs>